We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am the host. Uh, we are hoping to get Alex in here shortly, having some uh, technical difficulties. But uh, Tyler is here, man. Tyler, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing so well that plot twist, I'm going to pick the Chargers to win this week. Whoa, let's go. Uh, you know, it's been a really interesting uh social media week for us on the podcast after being called douchebags for picking against the chargers last week today we're paid by the chargers because we're not negative enough so uh been a bit of a turnaround on social media in our regard i guess as long as i get paid i don't care either way (laughs) whatever i gotta do right i mean i wish we were getting paid by the chargers that'd be a lot of fun Uh, it would be really cool to have all that access but uh alas you know we are part of the, the blue wire podcast network so we have you know, a good amount of access and we're very grateful for that. So I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in tonight. We're going to, of course, preview the Chargers and Chiefs game, really dive into everything. Uh, going to look a little different this week, obviously, because we have already played the Chiefs and we already did the the deep dive into the roster and the coaching moves and all of that. So, uh, you know, we are not going to be doing that kind of conversation, but we are going to do a bit of a deep dive into where the Chiefs stand, where the Chargers stand and all of that. So uh, first things first. Uh, Tyler, I, uh, obviously both of us have gone back and watched the film from Sunday night. How are you, uh, feeling after watching the film and, uh, you know, having some time to digest what happened on Sunday night? Uh, first things first, just to continue with what we talked about after they played the 49ers, uh, that defense is really good. Like the 49ers defense, in particular, their front seven 
and in particular the second half and against the run the entire game, they were just really, really good. I know people want to just have better offense and the better, you know, you call different things and you execute and you'll score more. But sometimes the other defense is really, really good. And San Francisco, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, all these guys played an outstanding game, um, particularly in the second half. So a ton of credit to them. The offense and the film watching the offense was a surprise to me. And this is kind of where I started to think that I was going to pick the Chargers to win this week. I was feeling that way before seeing Keenan Allen go out there and practice. Now, if Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are playing, I feel a lot better about that prediction. But my impression from the 49ers game, because we we react right after the game, we watch the broadcast, and that's basically it. Watching the game live, it just seemed like what we talked about and what most people thought. In the second half, things shut down, and the 49ers took over. And I would agree with that to a certain extent. I don't think the offensive play calling was as sharp. The Chargers certainly weren't as sharp, and the 49ers were better, and protection fell through. What I was surprised by was how often and at least in particular for this season but really since a good while that i actually did see maybe not 40 yard bomb opportunities but several opportunities for that 15 to 30 ish chunk play kind of range pop up and i really thought it was just going to be a first half thing because we remember the ones that were completed we remember the one to deandre carter of course mm-hmm. um flip side we remember the mckitty touchdown that he dropped Right, But watching other parts of the game, I realized that there's actually a good chunk of plays that, you know, Lombardi talked about, listen, we're not a fast team, and that would really help, obviously, but we can scheme some things open. And I'll be completely honest, I think this, and I know people don't want to hear this, I thought in terms of accessing that part of the field, a 15 to 30-ish yard chunk play opportunity part of the field with the guys that they had, against the defense that they played, I thought it was one of just just that part of the game. Not the run game, not the short game, not the end around that nobody likes, but just in that <laughs> particular sense, I thought it was one of Lombardi's better called games um, in a while, and I think his best of the year. And I can go to the sideline shot to Palmer that I have not seen them run that particular design before. I don't think there was the ball to McKitty that was dropped that should have been a touchdown. There was the touchdown to Carter. There was a deep over to Palmer where, for whatever reason, Herbert completes that in his sleep to Keenan and to Mike. And I think sometimes even to Palmer, um, especially against Atlanta, but he just dumped it off to Rodgers on third down for some reason. There was um, a double crosser where he had Carter and Palmer wide open. And he just, Fred Warner, you know, it was a stunt or a blitz or whatever it was. And Fred Warner just got to him in less than two seconds. And he had to move off, off his spot. But both guys were open. If he had gotten it to Carter, it could have been a touchdown if, with some yak and whatnot. Um, there was a whole shot to Palmer that he 100% would have completed if his arm wasn't hit. That was the interception that half of dumb Twitter likes to talk <laughs> about. Um, There's a one-on-one opportunity with Michael Bandy um, that absolutely would have been a 50-60 yard bomb if it were Keenan or especially if it were Mike Williams, I think. Yeah. But he pulled it down. That ended up being the scramble throw to Everett. But if that was Mike Williams, he's taking that shot and he was looking that way too. Um, there's another shot to Josh Palmer. Like, I'm not saying it was perfect game by any means, but they were really accessing more parts of the field than I really expected after watching the game through the first time. So that's why I feel so much more confident about the offense. Um, even with just what the guys they have, it felt like as simple as it was, there were opportunities for guys to get their one-on-ones. Unfortunately, to let's go 
didn't seem interested in getting a right tackle um, after Pipkins, <laughs> nor, you know, all this whole situation. And no offense to Foster Serrell, but he played Nick Bosa, and that sucked. Like, it didn't go very well. And the right side of the line with Zion as well, they just didn't hold up as well as they needed to to get those extra couple of plays. And then, of course, the McKinney drop touchdown. So, you know, it's a lot of what-ifs with the offense. It, it's been that way. Oh, what if they caught this? What if Gerald Everett against the Falcons caught that one? What if Palmer didn't tip the ball in there and it wasn't an interception? Same thing this week as it's been several weeks. But I'm very encouraged with the way that Lombardi got that part of the field going. Plenty of other issues with his game plan. But in, just in terms of that, it was very promising. Yeah, I uh, I have to say, um, I wouldn't necessarily agree with it being like his best game of the season, but I thought it was a good, I thought it was a good overall game plan. Um, and my favorite thing about the game plan was definitely how he used Josh Palmer it was a lot of overs, a lot of posts, a lot of corners, a lot of hole shots. So I think that they're, tr- they're starting to figure out who exactly Josh Palmer can be and how to use him the right way. So um, that's an exciting thing. And, and, you know, his, um, open score on ESPN's metrics is really, really good. Like he's getting open at a much higher rate this year, it seems like, uh, both on film and in the numbers. So I think that's a good thing. But just like I said on Twitter, like their options were so limited outside of that that it's it's so hard to call plays that way. And people will never understand that. It's always just like Lombardi sucks, Lombardi sucks, Lombardi sucks. And like I said, I am not here to like defend him. I am not here to, you know, get on a soapbox and, and preach that he's been an elite play caller because that's just not true either. But, you know, when you're trying to design deep shots to Michael Bandy against Charvarius Ward or design plays for Trey McKitty against in coverage against Talona Hufanga and Fred Warner, it's just like, what do you, what do you expect him to do in this situation? And then also the fact that, you know, you have Nick Bosa, you have this great defensive line. Charles Umenehu, man, had himself a day as well. And unfortunately, they would do this package where they would put Nick Bosa and Umenehu right next to each other, going one-on-one against Zion and Foster Serrell. And like we all love Zion Johnson. I think he's had a good rookie season, a bit up and down for sure. But that's not a fair matchup for him to, to go up against. And so the Niners are just so well coached. They're so incredibly well prepared for everything that this that whoever they play is going to do but especially uh you know the chargers who are down all of these players so you know it was absolutely a great display by the 49ers defense and the chargers still had a chance so you know from joe lombardi's perspective i really strongly disliked the way that he handled the chase daniel situation at the end of the first half after rewatching it i'm just like what what are we doing so like they run they run the screenplay on first down with chase daniel like okay Sure. But Fred Warner knew that was coming. Like Fred Warner, you if you watch the tape, just like instantly mm-hmm. as soon as Austin Eckler leaks out, goes and gets there. And then they're trying to run, you know, of course, a, a stick concept, which, you know, is a fair criticism of Joe Lombardi, absolutely, on second down. And then third down, they're trying to push the ball down the field with, with Chase Daniel. I'm like, run the ball. Like, just run the ball. I feel like <laughs> Richard Sherman, you know, watching yeah. that. And then the same thing with um, after Mitch Wisnowski drew them to the – or pinned them at the one-yard line. They're trying to run pass plays at the one yard line, which I get like from a clock perspective. Mm-hmm. But I feel like your your first priority in that instance should be to get out of the of your own end zone and try and give yourself some room. So, you know, there were definitely a lot of issues that I I, I took with the the game plan. But from a Josh Palmer perspective, I think they're they're trying to figure that out, and it, it's been working so far. They're getting him open, and so I, I think that's an exciting thing. Once we get Mike Williams back, once Keenan Allen comes back, that 
they're going to be able to have a true third guy take some pressure off of him, you know, off of those two and uh, be open for Justin, you know, more consistently. Yeah, he looked he looked really, really solid. Like in the deep over, there could have been another 40 yards there. There was a third down quick out where he beat his guy. No problem. Um, off the line would have absolutely picked up the first down there. There was the whole shot that he absolutely would have picked up another 20 um, to end the uh, end the game. And that was the interception. There was the defensive pass interference that he sort of picked up there. So he he definitely was more involved, open, and and sort of active. It's just, you know, for one reason or another, the ball just did not get to him in those situations. Yeah, and I think some of that is just, you know, Justin and Josh still kind of working through some things. And, like, he's always had Keenan Allen's trust and vice versa. And, you know, even Mike Williams has been a bit of a work in progress. So I think he'll get there. I mean, Josh Palmer hopefully is going to have a long career here in Los Angeles. So uh, we'll see what happens there. All right, we'll uh, get to some injuries, and then you know we'll uh, talk about the Chiefs, and then of course do our preview. So, from an injury perspective, it sounds like the Chargers are getting uh, healthier, which is fantastic news. Um, everybody essentially returned to practice. That's not on injury reserve, at least. So, uh, Keenan, Mike, Gerald Everett, Trey Pipkins, all those guys limited in practice today. Chris Rumpf as well. Um, you know, and, and it sounded like based off of Monday that the Chargers should have at least Mike and Chris Rumpf back this week. Um, it sounds like Gerald Everett as well kind of avoided any kind of long-term issue as well. So uh, the biggest question marks, obviously, Trey Pipkins and Keenan Allen in that regard. Um, but, I mean, having Mike back, having Chris Rumpf back, having Gerald Everett stay and being able to stay in the lineup is going to be a huge help for this team, especially against the Chiefs. Absolutely. Without those guys there... I mean, tough sledding. Uh, I'll see if I still <laughs> win if they're all not there. Yeah. But I mean, the drop off from Everett to—I I was actually trying to go back and watch the Eagles game to see that handoff to Roberts in that game, just to see how what they did differently because that worked. The one to Carter didn't. Um, I ended up finding up the play where they just—you know—Donald Parham was one on one on the sideline, and yeah. Herbert just threw it. You know, whatever in coverage, <laughs> but no problem. You know, Parham picks that up. There's that buffer isn't there between Everett. And you know the next tight end. There's no Parham there. It's 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 going from Everett to McKitty, and I, I feel so bad. But watching McKitty on the field, like he's he's like less good, less athletic Virgil Green, <laughs> and it's really really sad to watch. But is, like, yeah. you watch him, like you know Herbert looks for him. He's gonna get you know five yards on a quick out, and McKitty just like slips and falls, and it's like ah. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I remember that play like, too. <laughs> yeah, it's like I can't like this poor guy. Like I just. I feel bad, but so ever being back would be huge because otherwise, like they literally do not have a tight end. They do, but they don't have a pass catching tight end. Like it's just there's no there's no way they can access anything extra with McKitty, um, with Rogers. And I watched Richard Rogers try to run block too, and it's like, oh, okay, it looks like McKitty. So that wasn't super <laughs> great either. So um, Keenan back would be huge. I believe this team is absolutely fighting for one another. You get someone like Keenan Allen back, who's just very infectious um, and also, you know, very good. Um, yeah. That'd be huge for this team. Keenan Allen, we'll see because his situation. You know, do you want to, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on three. Do we want to rush him back out there again and have him get hurt again? No. But then you watch him do those individual drills today, and it's like, yeah, it doesn't look too bad. I think you go <laughs> run a couple of routes out there. Now someone's like, oh, Mike Williams still looks hurt. And I was just like, no, I think that's how he. I think that's just how Mike runs. <laughs> I felt so bad. It's like I think that's how Mike does the ladder drill. Um, so I don't really know where he's at, but Keenan looked really, really good. 
Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, you can tell that there's just a different kind of vibe with Keenan even back at practice and, you know, the whole team kind of seemed energized on, on Instagram today. So um excited to see him come back for sure. Uh, looks like we have Alex rot ready to uh, hey. rock and roll. Alex, what's up, man? Did you get your uh, direct deposit? Oh, oh, <laughs> okay. There it we worked. go. <laughs> it worked. Did you get Hello. your direct deposit yet from uh, John Spanos? Uh, not according to my bank account. <laughs> well, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I restarted my computer and everything's fine. So I don't know. Fuck technology. It's all good. It's all good, man. We were just uh, obviously talking about some of the injuries and things like that. Um, sounds like we got some good news. You know, we'll see how the rest of the, rest of the week goes. Um, you know, the Chiefs kind of uh, banged up a little bit as well. It doesn't sound like Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be playing. Um, I think MVS didn't practice today. There's Tony did not practice today. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, we'll, we're, you know, we're going to talk about Kadarius Tony here in a little bit, but um you know hopefully things are a little bit more even uh from an injury perspective this week yeah i i don't know what to what extent those receivers are not great but it's amazing that even if all three didn't play they still have Kadarius, tony and sky Moore, and travis kelsey and but you know depth is cool yeah it would be nice it would be nice all right let's uh let's get into our chiefs discussion here uh tyler of course has a slideshow, although it's a mini slideshow, like I said, it's going to be a little bit different from uh, our usual kind of discussion. So, um, you know, <laughs> as Tyler says here on the, on the screen, Kansas City Chiefs, oh, look, they're still good. They are still good. And there's obviously been a lot of MVP discussion uh, being thrown around this week and in the past couple of weeks. So, um, you know, we uh, unfortunately are going to talk a little bit about that discussion uh, being swayed towards Patrick Mahomes. Um, but Alex, you know, I'll start with you here. I mean, we're obviously 11 weeks into the season and the chiefs are still really good. So, uh, where are you at with the chiefs and where are you at with, uh, Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. It turns out the team with the best quarterback in the league is uh, arguably the best team in the league. Um, so like, that's kind of where we are with the chiefs. Um, and Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I feel like around week two, when we were previewing this game and thinking about this game, there was a lot of you know, what's uh, Tyreek Hill, what's this offense going to be without Tyreek Hill, still kind of in that era. Um, we hadn't really seen a definitive answer. And uh, the answer is Patrick Bohms is the MVP of the league at this point. And if you just look at some of the numbers, obviously the Chiefs have, you know, changed what they've done on offense. You don't have a lot of these long winding plays that, you know, just result in a Travis Kelsey, you know, broken tackles or a Tyreek Hill, just like long drawn out play like you saw in the Bills game in the, uh, AFC divisional round, right? So, you know, gone are the days of that Chiefs offense, but now you have those 5 to 15-yard intermediate throws. You have really quick decisions at the line um, and really intermediate throws around the line. And now you have guys like Adarius Tony who who can come take advantage of that. Obviously, Travis Kelsey and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, prior to the injury have been doing a pretty good job of that as well. Um, and Patrick Mahomes was 25th out of 31st in terms of quarterbacks who threw five to 15 air yards uh, in terms of EPA per drop back. He's number one in the league in EPA per drop back on intermediate throws now in 2022. So, you know, yeah. it, I, I wouldn't say Patrick Mahomes has gotten better without Tyreek Hill, but because uh, obviously they're not taking the amount of deep shots that they used to, 
But in terms of playing a more efficient offense, Patrick Mahomes looks as good as ever. And that's very bad news for the Chargers. And well, I would say the rest of the AFC West, but the rest of the AFC West looks to be falling <laughs> apart outside of the Chiefs and the Chargers. Uh, so, yeah, looks pretty good in Kansas City still. Yeah, you know, Vegas has uh, can't fire Josh McDaniel stuff going on. Derek Carr crying at the podium. <laughs> I mean, frustrated with Darren Waller. So it's all fine and dandy there. Uh, I heard this. I heard this crazy stat about the Denver Broncos really quickly that if they just scored 18 points a game, they would be eight and one right now. <laughs> just 18 points a game and they would be eight and one right now. That's uh that's something. Uh, <laughs> I, I also just found out by Googling that the Colts are three and zero against the AFC West. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's fun. Jeff Saturday, shout out, want to know? Um, but you know, like the whole Patrick Mahomes discourse in the off season was just—it was mind-boggling to me how much people would turn onto a or, or turn away from a, a player of his caliber. I mean, it's like these all-time great players, and we we are approaching you know all-time great status for Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, they adjust and they find a way to to figure out what they're they're dealing with. And it's like they still have Travis Kelsey. They have a deep receiver room and Andy Reid is still designing the offense and calling the plays. So um, Patrick Mahomes has definitely had to adjust. You know, his uh, turnover worthy rate is is significantly down this year as well. He's uh, seventh lowest right now, uh, would actually be um, fifth if you take out, you know, if you filter to 50 percent of the dropbacks instead of 20 Shout out Justin Herbert, number one in that category. Um, you know, but Patrick Mahomes has just really been able to take what's been given to him and and do it at such a high level. So I feel like personally we're in just kind of like that LeBron James territory for Patrick Mahomes where it's like he should just be considered the MVP favorite every single year until somebody like legitimately takes it from him over the course of a whole season. So, I mean, when you compare the statistics – of what Patrick Mahomes is doing to all of his counterparts who are in that MVP discussion. It's just like Mahomes blows them all out of the water. And then he probably has the worst supporting cast, at least from a receiver's perspective, of anybody else in the MVP conversation. I mean, he doesn't have DK and Tyler Lockett. He doesn't have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. He doesn't have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Like, obviously, Travis Kelsey helps a good amount. But, um, you know, he's doing more with less than he ever has this year. And I think Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like Alex said, it's it's something that should be commended from a general fan perspective. Yeah, he's unfortunately been outstanding. I, I hate him, but I respect him. <laughs> to be able to do this at the level he has this year, you know, a lot of turnover. Uh, again, they they had a. It sucks that the Chiefs have had two really solid drafts, in particular with their offensive line as well, because it just allowed Mahomes to just continue being him. Part of that's the offensive line. Some of it's Travis Kelsey, some of it's just himself, Andy Reid, whatever. But I mean, Patrick Mahomes, man, you got to give him credit. Like you said, he, he should be the MVP front runner every year moving forward um, because he's just that good. And, and to be able to do this right now, uh, it, it's outstanding. Um, and I hope he absolutely sucks on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, we'll, we'll dive into a lot of more specifics of this uh, matchup in a little bit here, but Obviously, the big move that we did not get to cover, um, you know, uh, earlier in the season before week two was obviously Kadarius Tony. That didn't happen yet. Um, so magically, Kadarius Tony has figured out how to be healthy this year. Uh, suddenly, when he gets traded to Kansas City, he's, he's uh, figured out how to get on the field. So, um, you know, Kadarius Tony has eight touches, 112 yards, and one touchdown 
in two games so far as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, he did not practice today, although it, it doesn't seem like anything serious. So, um, you know, Tony, McCall Hardman, like it's just it's not to the extent of what they used to have, obviously, but those two players and, and are just so much of a problem to tackle in space and, you know, them getting a guy who's averaging, I think like eight yards after the catch per reception right now uh, in Kadarius Tony is just, you know, it creates a lot of different kind of matchup nightmares right now for the chiefs. And that's part of the issue is that the chiefs have just, this diverse group of of characters whether one guy gets a hundred or not most guys really won't for that chief's offense unless you're um travis kelsey but you have kelsey then you have a deep threat marquez you kind of have uh, now you have Kadarius tony you have sky Moore. like just the, the way they can access different things with the kinds of players that they have is so unique yeah i mean i think if you're the chargers going into this matchup Kadarius Tony scares me a little bit because the Chargers have had problems tackling when it comes to football recently. Um, <laughs> and so him in open space, particularly around the line of scrimmage where, you know, he can break off kind of a big, you know, run off of a screen at any time uh, or just, you know, turn a five yard play into a 20 yard play and get to that second level of the Chargers defense. That is where I think it gets a little bit concerning because when it comes to Travis Kelsey, yeah, you have to be concerned about him. But in every game that Derwin's been healthy, the Chargers have at least found ways to kind of like limit him. Um, but, you know, healthy Kadarius Tony is going to be something that the Chargers sort of have to solve uh, in this one in comparison to the last Chiefs matchup, obviously. Yeah, I think for me, the the biggest curiosity of how the Chargers will kind of approach this is what do they do with Michael Davis in in this particular matchup? Because in the past, they've used him a lot on Travis Kelsey. And I think from his perspective, that's probably his best matchup from a skill set because, you know, mm-hmm. the players that he really struggles defending are like the smaller, shiftier, quicker guys. And so it's like you're not going to put him on Kadarius Tony. You're not going to put him on Michael Hardman. So, you know, whenever Marquez Valdez-Scanley is in there, if that's if he is playing, which, again, it kind of sounds like he is, but. Um, so just kind of curious what they do with Michael with Michael Davis this week because Hardman and, and Tony are bad matchups for him. And at the same time, it's like you probably want Asante Samuel Jr. on their best receiver, which has been Juju, but that's again more of a slot option. So just kind of curious how the, the Chargers play out the cornerback matchups this week. Yeah, that but also Maybe Derwin James just does. We go back to him just covering Kelsey because they did experiment for all of five plays with JT Woods. It was like what one series, and then they went away from that for whatever reason. Um, I think it I'm, was. I think it was four snaps in the in like the very first drive, and then it was like one to start the second half, and that was it. <laughs> well, we're gonna get to ten this week, and we're gonna make it really count this week. I don't know. I'm really curious what they do in that regard because they are exploring that option. Any thoughts there, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think that they probably just go Derwin with Kelsey and then, you know, sort of hope for the best there. Uh, obviously, Travis Kelsey's big game in SoFi last year, you know, was when Derwin got hurt in the first half um, and then have that explosive second half and the touchdown in overtime. Uh, so I feel like they feel pretty comfortable with that matchup and just kind of let everything else fall into place as it will. Uh, whether that means maybe some of Michael Davis on Kadarius Tony or maybe some of Bryce Callahan 
Um, they can probably pick and choose their spots there in terms of which guys they want on them at certain times. Uh, but I think the Chiefs probably keep him in that intermediate range role uh, and just kind of let him do some damage in the open field when he does get the ball. Uh, who's better at open field tackling, Trey Marshall or JT Woods? I'm going to say JT Woods. I, I think they, I think they gave him a good bit of time, and I think he's going to have some of this figured out. Also, I don't know if Trey Marshall ever actually made a tackle. <laughs> not a not a good one, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, we'll see what happens with JT. Man, I, I still think that there's you know a, a decent amount to be excited about there. But um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Rafi Marcus. Is it too early to call Asante a pro bowler? Uh, you know, obviously pro bowl voting has opened this week. So obviously go go vote for uh, whoever you think. Um, but I think Asante, I don't know if he's a top 10 right now. I think he's probably in like that top 15 range. Um, mm-hmm. He's been really, really steady, improving every single week. And you can just tell like he's, he's so close to just like putting it together, man. Like every single week, he's just like, you know, pass breakup here that probably should be an interception, you know um side note also he's like inches away from blocking a a, a kick at some point it's gonna oh happen. my gosh did like you see that so yeah he's so oh close gosh. to blocking a kick it will happen at some point in the season but um asante is really improving every single week i've been very very happy with his development um i don't know if i would call him a pro bowler i'm going to vote for him absolutely but i don't <laughs> know if like really he's a pro bowler but I, i'm i've been very happy with how he's been playing this season yeah, our fan base is enough of a complete psychopath that we can actually get Asante Samuel Jr. <laughs> to the Pro Bowl. And I honestly think the Chargers fans could. Yeah. Because um, he, he certainly deserves to at least be in a conversation um, to be nominated, I suppose. Again, like you said, he's he's almost there. He's not quite there because there's always a couple of plays a game where it's like, ah, so close. But then you have the other plays where it's like, oh my gosh, he almost had a pick. Or he forces the incompletion or he gets the pick. Um, wait, when's the last time he got a pick? By the way, I think our bold prediction for the last 37 weeks has been <laughs> get one, but he keeps dropping them. Um, was it because he's dropped 85? I know he's he's had a few this, uh, he's had two this year, right? Was week one the last one? I think it was. I think it was the greatest pick of all time. Why is PFF not working right now? I mean, I mean, should have should have had one against the Chiefs if he doesn't let it hit the ground. That like is mm-hmm. kind of the one I remember. Yeah, too. and he also had one uh, that should have been picked off against the Seahawks. He was mm-hmm. so convinced that he had that interception. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, like he was so convinced, convinced the whole coaching staff, and then you watch the replay. It's like, oh, not even close. <laughs> but, but I appreciate the enthusiasm. Yeah, why is PFF being slow right now? So against the Seahawks, he tipped one into Kenneth Murray's hands or whatever. Right. Yeah. He didn't have his own. Did he? I don't know. Not against the But okay. he, um, he's, he's so close, man. I, I can't wait to see him when he become like year three. Oof. Yeah. For whatever reason, PFF is like not working for me right now. Um, what I will say about, you know, regarding Asante Samuel Jr. So, um, there are only three cornerbacks in the league that have forced more incompletions than him. Mm. Uh, James Bradbury for the Eagles, Sauce Garner for the Jets, and then Darius Williams for the Jaguars. And then he's tied with like eight others for fourth place. Oh, you know, it's awesome. Carlton Davis, Trayvon Diggs, Xavier Howard, 
Patrick Peterson, Stefan Gilmore. He's in really good company from from that regard. It sounds like every corner we wanted this offseason is on that <laughs> list, except for JC Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Um, let's get into our victory formation segment here, um, as we, of course, do every single week. And we'll be able to uh, really get going on this uh, conversation. So, Alex, we'll start with you, man. What is one thing that you uh, need to see the Chargers execute in order to secure that victory formation on uh, Sunday night? Um, I would just like to see some receivers play um, in terms of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and their helps. I mean, we're going to talk about it all week, but I just it's an automatic L if the Chargers have to go out with bandy and carter and the whole gang like you're just not going to keep up with the chiefs under any circumstances if you throw that group out there if you have one of mike williams or keenan allen and the chargers this was the situation in week two they did have mike williams he had that big game and they were in it till the end at least um then i think you can make it relatively competitive and obviously if you have both of them and let's say keenan allen's at 70 or 80 percent then I think you can keep that game even more competitive. But really, I think the key to victory formation this week is optimally you would love to have both of them play. I think Mike Williams seems a little bit more likely than Keenan Allen at this point. But you have to have one of those guys play, particularly because we've seen how Mike Williams has been able to play against the Chiefs. We've seen how Keenan Allen at some points has been able to play against them as well. Um, But the amount of separation that some of the other Chargers receivers are getting at this point is just really non-existent um, in terms of what DeAndre Carter has been producing in that regard, in terms of what Bandy and Palmer have also been producing in terms of separation. Um, Herbert can kind of like eke out a couple there, but at this point you do need at least one of Mike Williams or Keenan Allen on the field to A, bolster the receiver room in general, but B, help some of those other guys get a couple opportunities where they may be able to get open. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tyler and I, or Tyler and I spoke about Josh Palmer, you know, to start the show, and so, you know, if he, if it's just him again, obviously the Chargers are are in a bit of a tough spot, but, um, you know, I, I think this is a game where you, if you're not playing the other guys that are are obviously Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, then you got to mix it up a little bit. Like, I don't even need to see you know twenty snaps out of Jason Moore and Keelan Doss. Like, just give me ten or something like that, and just give me an actual outside receiver. So. 
Um, you know, Josh Palmer, I think, has been doing good, but I think I'll, this is the Chiefs. Like, this is a di- much different kind of beast. So, obviously, having Keenan and, and Mike out there would, would help for sure. Um, I think for me, the the key for victory formation this week is for really the, the Chargers have to figure out what kind of rushing attack they want to be. And I think they've they've kind of fully pivoted away from, you know, the outside zone stuff. They're not really doing that a whole lot. Um, you know, the majority of their rushing attempts so far this year are actually like in the middle. So they're doing a lot more inside zone runs, um, split zone kind of things like that. And then this last week, it was like, hey, let's try some of these toss plays. Let's go back to some counters. And it was just a, a different approach, you know, the jet sweep. So I, like, I, I feel like the Chargers are trying to do too much when it comes to the rushing attack. They're trying to kind of workshop all these different ideas. And I think they just need to roll with like whatever kind of a d- identity that you want. And, you know, for what it's worth, the toss plays worked out. I mean, they were their best runs of the evening, in my opinion, on Sunday night. But you know, they're trying to figure out, can they be an inside zone rushing team? Do they have that kind of physicality? What do we have in Sony Michelle? What do we have in Isaiah Spiller? So I think they just need to, they're at the point of the season where they just need to figure it out and just like pick a, <laughs> pick an identity and just roll with it. Um, you know, it's, it's not been pretty from a down to down basis. Again, I feel like they're just trying to do too many things right now. So just simplify it, you know, run behind Zion and Corey and Matt Filer. That's that's your strong run blocking trio right now. Um, and just kind of hold the fort down for one more game until Joshua Kelly comes back. So when Kelly comes back, I do think the rushing attack will improve. Right now they're 30, uh, or 30th in yards per game on the ground and then 32nd in DVOA. So it's just – it's not been pretty – but this week, you've got to be able to kind of sustain drives and, uh, you know, keep your offense on the field as much as possible. And so I think the rushing attack is is the key there to, uh, you know, make sure that they are extending these drives and not having so many three and outs. No, that's a great call. Watching them against the 49ers. I didn't key into this too much against the Falcons, um, but just watching against the 49ers, you could tell things just took it just took a little bit too long. And I think the Chargers just have to even just be OK with three yards. And I thought yeah. it does three and a half yards, four yards, five yards. Like, and that's kind of all you can get. You know, Isaiah Spiller had what seven touches for twenty nine yards against the Falcons. If that's all they get, you know, on a, on a per play basis, that'd be great. Because against the 49ers, they did try sort of some different things. And I understand the philosophy of trying to not do the same thing, but at the same time, you can't lose one, get zero, get one, lose one, get zero on every first down. Um, yeah. You know, do I want them to pass it more on first down? Not necessarily for the entire year they've been one of the higher, you know, throwing over expected teams, but just get your three yards, get second and seven or something like they just they need to just kind of get into that. And it's not sexy, but I don't want Foster Serral versus, you know, George Karloftis or whoever they're going to blitz <laughs> with on, you know, third and ten. And, and that really that made them you know, the Chargers suffer uh, in the second half of the game last week. And I hope that doesn't happen again. And I think the Niners are like top five in uh, opponent rushing yards. Oh, they're first, goody. So there you go. They're they're first on the year. Uh, the Chiefs are a little bit down the down the road. So um, theoretically, should be a, a little bit of an easier task this week. And obviously, having Trey Pipkins should uh, should help there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so for my victory formation, I don't know if it's necessarily. This kind of feels like a matchup, but for whatever reason. 
you can say it's Fahoko, you can say it's just the way that they schemed or whatever. It just seemed like Kenneth Murray finally had his day. Like we've been waiting for something. And whether it's taking on Trent Williams in a zone blocking scheme or whether it's um, you know, going sideline to sideline or getting two tackles for loss, like he just looked so much better. So not necessarily just him and that matchup against the run or something, but just find a way to keep these linebackers clean. If it's Drew Tranquil, if it's Troy Reader for a couple of stamps or whatever, if it's Kenneth Murray, keep these guys clean. I know that stopping the run isn't the big thing against the Chiefs, but at the same time, the Chargers benefited so much against them in week two because they kind of were able to corral most of the runs outside of one big run. And that forces, you know, Patrick Mahomes just to hold onto it for a bit longer. You, know, you don't have Joey Bosa this week again. Um, so you just winning on first down or second down, whatever it is, forcing them to throw. And then you can throw in your exotic blitz packages, Khalil Mack and win as one-on-ones or whatever. Um, so just try to keep those linebackers clean. I really want to see them do that again this week. Um, again, Fajoko is a big part of that. Otito played really well. I thought Covington played really well. Both those guys are out now. So it's up to, I have no idea at this point who's going to be, you know, the starters, you know, Sebastian Joseph Day, Morgan Fox, Brandon Fajoko. Like it's up to those guys and whatever depth they have behind them to keep them clean again and really keep the ball rolling, especially for Kenneth Murray. Yeah. You know, for what it's worth, I, I felt like genuinely this probably was Kenneth Murray's best game as a pro on Sunday night. Like, he just was seeing things at a much higher level. And uh, like you said, you know, the, the defensive tackles were, were helping, you know, keep him clean, which was fantastic. But he was just so much more decisive and physical in this kind of matchup. And, you know, seeing him take on Trent Williams was, you know, that was a pretty impressive thing to see. And, you know, he wasn't the only one he had to play where he went head up with uh, Kyle Juszczyk as well. So mm-hmm. if the Chargers can get that version of Kenneth Murray from here on out, like it, it's it theoretically should solve a good amount of the problems from a run defense. So. Um, you know, if Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil are playing at that kind of level, then the Chargers run defense should, you know, improve over the next few weeks. Yeah, they had the play outside something and Murray was on Trent Williams. He had Khalil Mack on the outside setting the edge. You had Sebastian Joseph Tate maintaining the pocket. And then you had Kenneth Murray coming downhill, attacking Trent Williams. It was just, it was perfect. I'm like, oh my God, run defense. It was so great to see. And I hope that continues this week. Yeah, uh, I think you hope for the best for Kenneth Murray and, and really all the linebackers. But just if you can get a repeat effort of what you saw last week, particularly in the second half of that game where you just the Chargers are as a whole a much cleaner tackling team uh, in that second half, I would say, than they were in the first half, then, you know, theoretically that solves a lot of your problems against the Chiefs or at least some of them um, and makes things like, Kadarius Tony and some of the other offensive weapons in that intermediate range not as scary. But if those weapons get to the second level, um, that can be a problem. I'll talk about tackling in one of my points later. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. So uh, I do want to kind of uh, you know expand on uh, Tyler's uh, victory formation here with my key matchup. Uh, and that is obviously the uh, Chargers pass rush versus Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs offensive line. So uh, you know, the individual pass rush numbers for the Chargers have not been great. Uh, Morgan Fox having a good year, Mack having a good year, and that's been about it so far for the Chargers as a team. Uh, they are 28th in ESPN's pass rush win rate, uh, metric, and it really checks out, man. Like, watching this pass rush is just there's if Morgan Fox isn't doing something like from a technique standpoint, it's just a lot of bull rushing and it's not a lot of pressure going on. So Obviously, the designer blitz packages are really fun to watch. They do a great job with Derwin. They do a great job with Drew Tranquil. Those two players are, are fantastic blitzers. But uh, 
this is an absolutely a game where somebody, whether that's Chris Rumpf, Kyle Van Oy, or Morgan Fox, needs to step up and win their one-on-ones outside of, of Khalil Mack. So uh, <laughs> the Chargers pass rush needs Joey Bosa back in a very bad way, but uh, particularly against Patrick Mahomes, you have to be able to have that same kind of pass rush output that you did in week two. And, you know, in week two, I thought they did a great job uh, as a whole of being able to rush him and keeping him inside the pocket. And so, you know, this is an oppor- this, this is an opportunity for maybe Chris Rumpf is back and has a good game. Maybe Calvin Oy kind of has that that big performance that we've kind of been waiting for. But somebody outside of Khalil Mack has to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes and and somebody outside of the the uh, blitzers as well. So uh, the pass rush is is in a bad bad <laughs> way right now, and mm-hmm. uh, somebody needs to get them out of their funk. So. Uh, for me, you know, obviously you get them into third and long. And when you get there, you have to be able to win your one-on-ones this week. Speaking of third and long and third downs <laughs> in general, <laughs> I'm going to say it again. My key matchup is please put a QB spy on Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we've been saying it forever, or at least I've been saying it forever. Patrick Mahomes in his last two games against the Chargers, uh, this is actually last year. Uh, but he had 32 yards uh, and then 45 yards. So 77 combined yards uh, in rush, on the ground in two games last year. He, uh, this year in his last four games, has 123 yards on the ground. Um, so he almost by himself is kind of carrying that Chiefs run game um, and obviously had that big explosive run against the Titans uh, on Sunday Night Football a few weeks ago. Um, and so like, it's just a problem and the Chargers already are compounded in terms of how bad their third down defense is. Uh, they cannot continue to make that mistake by also letting Mahomes beat them with his legs too, because if that is the case, then this could turn into an ugly game pretty fast. Almost, even though the Mexico city game was close, it just felt like the Chargers, uh, that's an example mm-hmm. of one game where the Chargers never really could like stick in it all the way, particularly just because of the late defensive breakdowns. Even though they were playing solid defense, um, they just had those third down breakdowns. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes and, and his legs were the source for a lot of those, uh, in addition to getting bailed out on some of those plays. Um, but you don't have to worry, I guess, about the long extending Tyreek Hill kind of plays for the Chiefs anymore since they are running a quicker offense. But I do still think, you know, bailing out and throwing all the guys into coverage is something Patrick Mahomes could potentially take advantage of on, you know, third and five, third and short, uh, any situation where he just feels like he can take advantage uh, and get out of the pocket and pick up that first down. So I, I think that keeping a QB spy on Patrick Mahomes, it could be Kenneth Murray this game. Um, you can give that responsibility to, you know, a bunch of players, I guess, but for what the chargers need to do in this game, you don't really have to worry too much about the Chiefs' ground game in comparison to what the chargers recent opponents have been, but it's a matchup that keeps me up at night because of just how, how exhausted and how tired this defense can get if Patrick Mahomes is allowed to stay on the field that long. Yeah, I'm wondering what the Chargers did last time they played the Chiefs. I don't know if it was just because they didn't rush the ball all that much or I don't know about that to be a scramble. But Mahomes only had, well, he had negative one yards. I'm assuming there's a, a kneel down in there somewhere. Um, so I don't know what the Chargers did last time. It seemed to work, um, but they also threw it 35 times. Maybe they just 
were able to access that part of the field for whatever reason. And they didn't run it. Um, I'm used to Mahomes getting more than negative one yard. So I'm curious <laughs> to go back and look at what happened. As far as the pass rush goes, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at what they did the last two weeks. You know, Morgan Fox leads the way in, in two games with three pressures. And then it's a bunch of twos. <laughs> Your next guys that are have two pressures, uh, Otito, he's out. Covington, he's out. And then Kyle Vendo and Kalimak have two pressures each over the last two games. So 13 pressures over the last two games on like 300-something individual pass rush snaps for the Chargers. That is not great. So if the Chargers are going to turn any game around, hopefully it's this one. But against that offensive line, I don't know. If Fahoka wants to get three sacks this game, hey, that'd be <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, you know, Fahoka was fantastic on Sunday night. Just throwing that one out there. Uh, consistently setting the line of scrimmage as we know he uh, tends to do. So, uh, Tyler, what's your uh, key matchup heading into uh, another Sunday night football game? Uh, the now unsuspended Frank Clark and George Karloftis versus Foster, Serrell, oh. and I, I suppose Jamari Sawyer. But I kind of have forgotten about Sawyer because I feel like that just whatever he kind of does his business. I, for, I forgot that Frank Clark was A, suspended, and B, coming back this week. Yeah, so <laughs> will he get two pressures? Sure, probably, if I won't do all that much. <laughs> um, but I hope he doesn't do that much. I mean, it was really unfortunate watching the Chargers have something a bit open, something you know looking great, or even just running to the right, and it just was not the same. If Trey Pickens is out there, hey, then that, I'm still watching that matchup too because he's probably not 100%. Um, but if you're not going to give your offense any help with their weapons, at least protect Justin Herbert. So these plays that take 47 hours – because Michael Bandy, you know, probably runs a little slower than I do. Um, you know, they, it'll take a bit longer and hopefully they can at least protect or run block. Run blocking, protection, all of that. That's what I'm watching because that was, to me, the number one disruptive issue with them last week against the 49ers. Right guard and right tackle in particular, and I suppose the tight ends. Um, take care of that and you have a chance at least. Yeah, I mean, obviously things kind of changed once uh, Chris Jones kind of went off and obviously you know as frank uh blakely pointed out you know Corey Lindsay did not play in the second half of that game it was will clapp playing in that game so um that's another thing that you have to worry about so zion had some really good moments again against chris jones in that matchup um you know he'll have to have them again but you know if we get another game of foster serral man it's going to be a very similar kind of game plan even if keenan and mike are, are back as they had last week a lot of max protecting um a lot of chipping so you know, Foster Serrell, to his credit, he exceeded my expectations, but it's not like he went out there and played well. I mean, he played well relative to the scale of being an undrafted free agent starting in his first game against Nick Bosa. But um, you, it's just it's so much harder to operate an offense when you have to send help every single play to your right tackle spot, as we saw at uh, times last year when Storm Norton was getting cooked by you know several elite pass rushers. So. Um, you know, Frank Clark and George Koloptis are not Nick Bosa, but they are good. Absolutely, they are, they are good, you know, pass rushers for sure. Yeah, I will be curious, not so much this game, because I think if they start Foster Serrell, then they're going to start Foster Serrell the whole game. But if Foster Serrell does struggle again, I do kind of want to see how much of a leash, I guess, he has on that right tackle position while Trey Pipkins is out, um, which I would imagine he's also out for this game. Because, I mean, we already kind of know how they feel about Storm Norton from starting Foster Serral over him in the first place. But I do think that if if things do potentially get ugly this game, 
Uh, is there a world in which, not that Storm Norton would get thrown into the middle of it, but if Trey Pipkins is out for a more extended period of time, uh, I, I do wonder if they would at some point consider Storm Norton, or are they just fully done with him? I feel like that's kind of the line with that we're riding with Foster's Arrow right now. Dude, it's it's so frustrating. Like <laughs> we elevate the guy to the practice from the practice squad to start over Storm Norton, and it's like, okay, so let's say Trey Pipkins misses this week. They're out of Foster Shell elevations after this week because they elevated him against the Broncos. So is Foster Sarah your swing tackle or is Storm Norton your swing tackle? And like, are you going to cut Storm Norton when you have to get to that point? Like, it's just so frustrating, man. They oh, man. watching that film on Sunday night again. Foster Sarah did his job. He didn't, he, you know, he successfully avoided the avalanche game against Nick Bosa, you know, with a lot of help. But it's like you, you've had so many opportunities to find a more reliable swing tackle. And then, of course, Pipkins gets injured. And so we have to have a Forrest Serrell versus Storm Norton conversation. It's so frustrating. Yeah, Roundtree's a running back on the roster now. <laughs> they can't play Keelan Dawes, Jason Moore. I saw him run a go route uh, against the 49ers, and it did help, I think. Um, so that was good. <laughs> but if there was some back and forth between Serrell and Norton during practice last week where it's like, okay, one guy starts this day, one guy starts the other day, and then we kind maybe they would pull Serrell, but they're going with him the entire rest of the way, man. Don't give up on Asians that quickly. They've already learned their <laughs> mistake the first time. You know, I am. He did have some good moments for sure. I'm definitely more intrigued about like keeping him around beyond this season than I was heading into this week. So uh, he had some good moments against Nick Bosa. Had some very poor moments as well, but it's Nick Bosa, so is what mm-hmm. it is. All right, uh, let's get to our bold predictions here. Uh, Tyler, you missed our show last week, so I'll start with you here. Uh, your bold prediction for Sunday night is what? Chargers win. That's my bold prediction. <laughs> We're doing the win again, not by uh, multiple scores? No, no. I already heard Alex poo-poo in my... <laughs> well uh, i'm just i'm just asking are you gonna predict a win today and then saturday change your mind or what you know uh, as long as deal? herbert doesn't get food poisoning um from the raising canes or whatever <laughs> then sure I, I i'm i'm leaning i'm leaning yes we'll keep it as a win barring nobody gets extra hurt um and there's a random injury occurrence or new concussion tomorrow when i wake up yeah absolutely all right, so bold prediction for me. I, um, I again, it kind of sounds like Gerald Everett is is gonna play. So, I oh, are you doing you... mine? Are you doing my bold prediction for the fight week two? No, 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 no. <laughs> Although it wouldn't surprise me if it happened again. Um, but heading into this morning, I was thinking like, hey, like maybe we do end up getting a, a tight end touchdown out of non Gerald Everett tight end. So, uh, you know what? I'm gonna stick with it. Because no. I feel like that is extra bold. I'm going to say Trey McKitty or Richard Rodgers score a touchdown on Sunday night. What What do you want me to do if that happens? Like, <laughs> well, not I mean like that, but I mean you know, in terms of <laughs> ghost peppers and things. I don't know. We'll We'll come up with something. I, I'm not like too keen on like punishing you, but I don't know. It just feels like they're. Uh, I guess I could maybe include Xander or Horvath into that conversation, but it just feels like they're the tight end position is just kind of due for. A non Gerald Everett nice moment. Yeah, no, it's not gonna happen. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, fine. I, okay, I'll, I'll give like a numbers sort of thing. I'm gonna double down. Gerald Everett will once again surpass Travis Kelsey for yards in this game. 
There you go. There you go. All right, Alex, go ahead, man. Um, I'll go with a weird one. Maybe, maybe Joe Lombardi decides to open up the playbook. Austin Eckler, one ru- I think he pulls a McCaffrey. One rushing touchdown, one receiving touchdown, and one passing touchdown. I don't hey. know. Maybe it happens. Maybe we get a little uh, Bengals, uh, Justin Herbert, Philly special action. We'd love to see it. I don't know if the Chargers have the facilities right now on their offensive line to be that creative, but uh, Austin Eckler seems to kind of be the only thing that's working on this offense consistently right now, matching and or really exceeding his touchdown totals from last year. Would love to see him kind of keep it up in this game. Yeah, I should I should have uh, showed the clip on Twitter, but um, they ha- I think it was the first drive of the game where they got. Everybody was flowing left, and they leaked out Austin Eckler and on Texas route. It was it was fantastic, man. So uh, need to see more of that happening. Um, when was the last time we did see a trick play? I, I can't even remember. Against the Kansas City Chiefs, where they tried to throw it, um, DeAndre Carter back across to I think it was Eckler. I don't even remember that, man. So they actually tried that in practice too. They would. The quick screen, I think, to Keenan Allen, and then Keenan Allen would throw it back across the field to Eckler, and then Eckler. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was, but like behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I except I, I've I've only seen it work once, and that was against the Chargers defense in practice. Um, <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> My what bold prediction that is a trick play in which DeAndre Carter doesn't like somehow go tumbling ten yards backwards <laughs> and like. <laughs> Do we get past the 20, uh, 22 this week in kickoff returns? Oh, man. Without a touchback, guys. Yeah, that... Uh, probably not. Probably not. Uh, that that graphic that Arjun shared uh, of average field position after kickoff returns, man, it was it was sad because, you know, DeAndre Carter was... Uh, he was really good in kickoff returns last year, and he's been fantastic as a punt returner, but mm-hmm. just feels like there's just no uh, making people miss on kickoff return right now. Yeah, I can't believe there's a team that's worse. Wasn't it the Broncos? I think the Packers as well. God, the Packers just can't. Don't the Packers have, <laughs> have Passaccia? Yeah, but they're in, a, they're in a similar boat to the Chargers where it's like they're clearly really bad at like the return game. And uh, oh. I mean, Amari Rogers, who was cut, has like four special <laughs> teams fumbles. That's so. especially kind of bad. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. So uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, Tyler is going to be at the game on Sunday night. I'm going to be out of town. So we'll, uh, we're going to have to figure out what, <laughs> what happens in, term, in terms of our uh, post-game coverage. But we'll, of course, uh, let you know uh, over the next few days. So, Alex, we'll start with you, man. Any final thoughts before we head out for the evening? Nope. Uh, hope we beat the Chiefs. Uh, I hope, I guess Tyler survived last week because we lost to the 49ers. I am down for whatever ridiculous bet uh, people come up with if we do beat the Chiefs because I certainly will be picking against the Chargers, hoping for a win. Uh, but, uh, you know, come up with some punishment if the, if the Chargers do end up pulling a win out against the Chiefs. I want you to kill and eat one of those birds on live <laughs> on the live stream, which might get you in trouble with the government over there or something. Yeah, so like, let's maybe try, shoot a little lower. Okay, I want you to go to the store and like just go to Ralph's, get one of those pre-cooked chickens. Ralph's, I'm not in the fucking United States. <laughs> and Ralph's know, is man. a West Coast thing. Is it? <laughs> okay, go to the Caribbean Safeway and just. 
go to town. <laughs> what do you guys have? Not Ralph's and not Safeway. Okay, go get a frozen meal from 7-Eleven? No, not that either. <laughs> KFC. Okay, there actually is a KFC. Yes, yeah, there's a there KFC's. There always a KFC. I don't know why. <laughs> Rafi says he should eat funeral potatoes, so I'll send you the recipe that my mom makes. Oh, okay, God. they must be bad because I'm looking. I looked at pictures of funeral potatoes. It looks good. So, like, I don't know. It doesn't look that bad. What you were okay. looking at pictures? Oh, that's right. You put them in the thumbnail one time, huh? No, it was that picture of um. Kyle Van Noy, where he's like, "Oh, this is so delicious," or whatever, and then I, but I oh, from the you. wings, yeah, 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 which I can't wait for that to come out. But. Yeah, the that first one, dude. They did Austin Eckler so dirty, man. They gave him all the hard questions, and my guy was just sweating after eating the wings. It was hilarious. Yeah, that was a rough one. Forgot um, this from, from Nick S. Oh, it was nice knowing you, Tyler. R.I.P. I don't know what happened, but nice knowing you too, Nick. That was probably my prediction. <laughs> I think that's when you were talking about uh, Joe Lombardi calling a good game on Sunday night. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I studied and that's what happened. There you go. Um, lefty top tens just now. Are the Chargers lucky to have Joe Lombardi? I mean, it no. could be much worse. Like, Ask Broncos fans if they would rather have Joe Lombardi or Nathaniel Hackett calling plays right now. Fair enough. I, I don't think they're lucky to have Joe Lombardi. I think they're lucky to have Justin Herbert. Um, 100%. I think it could be worse, but I don't, I don't know if they're lucky to have Joe Lombardi. Yeah. And uh, I mean, to be fair, Joe Lombardi was Brandon Staley's uh, at least third choice as offensive coordinator. So take that yeah. for what it's worth. All right, Tyler, uh, any final thoughts before we head out, man? Yeah, apparently I'm very sheltered. So that's it. <laughs> Man, uh, what a fun week uh, for these comments. It's been fun, uh, you know, regardless. But um, as always, appreciate all you guys tuning into the live chat today. Uh, make sure and uh, like the video, subscribe, turn on the notifications. Oh, habanero wings or some international equivalent. That's fine. I'll, I'll do that, I guess. That's boring. <laughs> yeah, eat spicy wings, great. What is it, Tuesday? Like, I mean, that's yeah, I would do that. <laughs> so it's not I the think, punishment. I think that's good. It's not the punishment. Yeah, it's not the punishment. So I think it needs. I think it needs to be somewhere in between. I eat wings and I kill a bird. I it's somewhere in that range. <laughs> let's let's get somewhere in there. Alex, pick a number between one and one hundred. Uh, uh, twenty-one. Okay, yeah, it's been twenty-one seconds praising Carson Wentz. <laughs> oh. you want to go kill those birds now don't you uh, <laughs> international prison doesn't sound too bad anymore man, speak, speaking of guy got demoted for heineke today rest in peace oh yeah is Especially. carson Wentz going to be like the new tyrod taylor or if like you just bring him on your roster and you know maybe you'll get better quarterback play after that that's not like a bad a, comparison like a passive aggressive tyrod taylor but i don't know <laughs> All right, uh, that's a that's a good place to stop. So uh, again, you know, we'll let you guys know the schedule coming up this weekend. But um, you know, should be a fun weekend. Obviously, Chargers get a, a big opportunity on Sunday Night Football to uh, get some uh, momentum, potentially a signature win against the Chiefs. So uh, exciting all around there. So uh, as always, uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll uh, talk to you soon.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com